This is the City of Refuge, Thomaston, Georgia, Sunday morning podcast. The following is a live recorded sermon by Pastor Jeff Deal. We have a few things to look at on the screen together today. We'll just put up the first one there. Um, and let me start off by just giving a, a little short lesson on cities of refuge. So we're known as City of Refuge. I, most of you know I work at City of Refuge in Atlanta. I've been there for almost 21 years. And then this ministry here is a, an arm of that at this point. And we continue to have the local church as part of that. And we, and then we do outreaches and we work with kids and we do various things. Um, but it, it, it is all born out of a, a biblical principle of cities of refuge, which is that in the Old Testament, when God's people finally made it into the promised land, they had to set up systems, as any society has to do, to maintain law and order and to address societal issues. And so one of the things they did was they set up six cities of refuge in the nation. There were three on the east side of the Jordan River, and there were three on the west side of the Jordan River. On the east, you had the cities of Golan, Ramoth, and Bozor. And on the west, you had the cities of Kadesh, Shechem, and Hebron. And those were cities of refuge, and the, the purpose for those cities was so that if you accidentally killed somebody, which we call manslaughter, if you accidentally killed somebody, were in some way involved in a situation where somebody died, the next of kin of that person actually had, by law, the right to kill you. It's called the avenger of blood. So even though you may not have purposefully or intentionally committed murder, you were involved in someone's death, and the only uh, answer to that in their society was atonement, which meant somebody else's blood has to be shed to pay for that blood that was shed. And so it's going to be the blood of the person who was responsible in some way. Cities of refuge were set up, and they were spread out so that none of these were more than a few hours' journey from anywhere that you might live. So geographically, they were intentional in placing them so that you could get to them pretty quickly <clears throat> because the avenger of blood was going to be after you. So you had to get there quick. And once you were inside the city, you were protected until you went to trial. And once you went to trial... If you were found guilty of actual murder, then you were committed, uh, condemned to death. And if you were found guilty of the manslaughter, then you, you could stay there in the city until the priest died. And then all of the people who were confined to the city of refuge were released and the avenger of blood could no, could no longer come after you. And if you were found to not be responsible at all for any of it, of course, then you could just go back home. But they were very, very important places because in that kind of society, doing the kind of work that they did and very sort of a primitive and, and um, uh, archaic way of life, a lot of accidents happened. 
And so they could point to a boss or a foreman on a job if a, if a log fell on somebody and crushed them and say, that's your fault. And from the time they said that's your fault, he better head to a city of refuge, right? So along the way, they made the roadways going to these city of refuge, cities of refuge very wide and very smooth so that it was an easy path to get there. So that's to the benefit of the person who's running. They also had stewards who were planted along at different places. They kind of built their house right there along the roadway so that when someone was coming, they could step out and make sure they were headed the right direction and maybe could give them some water or something to eat to keep them going on their way. So there was this whole process that was set up. That's where the term city of refuge comes from. It's a place where people who are in trouble can run. Okay? It's a place where you can go to be protected from the avenger of blood. It's not the city of refuge's place to judge you. It's not city of refuge's place to pronounce any kind of punishment on you. It's not city of refuge's place to evaluate your legal, moral, ethical situation and to say you're guilty of this, not guilty. No, that's not it. It's simply to be a home environment, a community-type environment where you can go if you're in trouble, if you've got issues, if you've got problems. And I have some news for you today. <clears throat> All of us are being pursued by the avenger of blood. So all of us need somewhere to go, right? In that sense, every community of believers, every church, every minister should every ministry should be at some level a city of refuge. Not necessarily by name, but they should have that element of taking in people who are in trouble, who are needy. We have an, another organization that's just moved on campus with us. We didn't have room for them, but we kind of pushed and made space. They had been in a big, wealthy church in North Atlanta for several years operating out of there. And what they do is they go on the streets and they, they set up and they do worship services, but they also connect with people that need to go into addiction recovery. They connect with single moms who need assistance. They connect with uh, all sorts of people who have crisis in their lives and they do street ministry that's called city takers, Right? And the reason they were reaching out looking for somewhere else to go is because they were not made to feel comfortable in the church where they were headquartered because they were told over and over by leadership in the church, your kind of ministry doesn't belong here. Well, I struggle a little bit with that sometimes. I don't mean to be critical or judgmental. I know I'm not going to get in that vein. But I struggle a little bit with the idea that any church would turn away a ministry or the people that they're ministering to that have great crisis in their life. Isn't that what we're here for? But, you know, I mean, okay. So I think we, we agree on that. I'm preaching to the choir. So we are city of refuge. We're part of a bigger organization, but here in Thomaston, we're city of refuge. And um, we've actually been doing this stuff in Thomaston for more than five years. So it goes back to... Um, 
this past January was five years ago that Tracy and I started coming down and getting together with Stephen and Dawn and different ones that, that were... Um, that started getting together and we called ourselves the mission and we rented a house on Lee Street and we were there for a while. Then we moved over into the South Hill building um, and then we ended up over here. And that's been going on for about five years and it's a little over five years. And it's been going on here in this building for, it was two years on the 2nd of April. <clears throat> so that's the history of, of us here in Thomaston and we are a city of refuge ministry here. Um, and uh, the first announcement I want to make is that we've been calling ourselves City of Refuge Thomaston for a while. We were the mission, then we became City of Refuge Thomaston, and we're changing that again, so I apologize, but you'll get used to it. And we're going to stick with this one, all right? And two, three years down the road when I change it, you're going to look at me and say, I thought we were going to stick with that one, but this is it. We're going to be called City of Refuge South. Now, there's a reason behind that, and it's not to make the Souths feel like they own everything, but... <clears throat> but we're glad they're here and they're part of it. They can claim it and they can tell everybody, hey, that's mine. That's why it says that. They want to. The reason I, I want to call it this, and if you just object and want to have a conversation about it, uh, we will. You know, you'll lose, but we, we can have that. Um, is because it's really about more than Thomaston. It is most certainly about Thomaston. But it's not exclusive to Thomaston, okay? So we live south of Atlanta, right? So we're not we're, we're part of that, but we are also separate from that in a sense, and we are south. But it includes not only um, what's going on right here, week to week, in this building through this group of people, but it also include is going to include more and more our ministry in Jamaica, which is about even 1,200 miles further south from here. But, um, <clears throat> and so we're, we're just going to pull all these things together under this umbrella. And City of Refuge here in this town has been going on for five years, but City of Refuge in Jamaica has been going on since about 1995. So 20-something, 20 25 years almost that that's been going on. And I don't, I don't want to have that going on, and that's a, a separate thing, and then this going on, and this is a separate thing, and then something else going on, and that's a separate thing. I just want it to be one thing that has a few different arms and a few different elements to it, and that all of you and all of us can, can participate in any or all of it to whatever level we want to. All right, so... If you ever want to go to Jamaica with me, just pop up and say, I want to go. And we'll figure out a way for you to go. Uh, we do these trips and we have ongoing ministries down there all the time. I'll be heading down there on Tuesday again this week and, and be down there and, um, and fit tidying up some things for two summer groups that I've got going this year. And I would love for you to, to have whatever interest uh, that you want to in that and to go with us at some point if that's something you feel like you'd like to do. In addition to the ministry here and Jamaica, we also are developing here, been going on a little bit for a while and is going to grow some of what we do through our home and through horses and things like that where we bring groups out and we uh, just Friday we had a group of House of Cherith ladies from our trafficking homes in Atlanta to come down and spend several hours at our house riding horses, having a picnic meal, 
and and all that kind of stuff. And that's, in other words, whatever we're involved in ministry-wise, it's going to be part of this City of Refuge South. Okay, everybody good with that? So y'all figured out by now I don't have a sermon for you today. We're just going to talk through some of this stuff, and we're going to go visit the kids' room. So if we can put up the... um, the website for City of Refuge, and although we've been down here a while, some of you may have never visited the website, and you should. You absolutely should. Write this down or put it in your phone if you don't have it, or if you just if you just Google City of Refuge Atlanta, that's the first thing that's going to pop up. Cityofrefugeatl.org, and the reason you should... Um, go and visit that site and and navigate your way through all the pages is so that you can really get a better understanding of of what the organization's about and about the history of the organization and about programs that go on on campus seven days a week. It's a 24-7, 365 operation where we have about 95 full-time employees and we have staff that's there 24-7 24-7 residential services staff, case management, social workers, medical clinic, uh, school, daycare, youth programming, kids programming, uh, a, a kitchen that serves about uh, 19,000 prepared meals a month. Okay, so we've got three homes on campus for women that are rescued out of trafficking, and we've got one house off campus out in out in uh, Douglasville. For, that's the... Uh, going to be the home for women with children for the first time that we know of, at least on the eastern half of the United States. There's going to be a home for women who are coming out of trafficking and exploitation that have children and they want their children with them where they can live in that kind of environment. All right, so all kinds of stuff. We have vocational training programs where right now we have five vocational tracks going on where people who have obstacles to employment such as a criminal background, such as if they've gone through addiction recovery and they've had trouble getting a job, such as if they suffer from PTSD because they're a veteran, they were involved in a war. Obstacles to employment can come in and get trained, and we have a vast network of employment partners that will hire them based on our recommendation out of our programs, uh, even though they have those obstacles. All those things you can find on the website. All right? And uh, there is a a little video I want us to watch, if we can get that up, that just sort of gives a broad overview of um, how the City of Refuge mechanism works. Now, so we know that we have some different things going on here. Not everything here looks like it does there. We are, of course, much smaller, and we have more of a focus on three or four things, whereas up there it's a big, broad range of things. But really the concept is the same. So we got that. This is called How It Works. A crisis is defined as a time of intense trouble, difficulty, and danger. Unfortunately, there are entire communities that exist in a constant state of crisis. In these communities, you will find the highest recordable levels of crime, drug abuse, and homelessness. Due to decades of neglect, the good people who live here are oftentimes without hope or direction for a better future. Ultimately, they are abandoned. In the past, most of the attempts to help these communities have resulted in either quick efforts that are not sustainable 
or in some cases, even forceful displacement of the very people in need. These actions result in a loss of dignity, culture, and a sense of place of those who call it home. At City of Refuge, we know there is a better way. For over 20 years, we have been working with locals to implement a process that restores communities and brings lasting hope to the good people that call it home. Our approach first utilizes a campus in the very heart of the community. With a safe and secure campus, we are able to invite people in crisis into an environment that has everything needed to address both immediate and long-term needs. Immediate needs are met through on-site programs based around food, shelter, and healthcare. Long-term needs are met through programs based around education, job training, and financial literacy. All of this is available under one roof without a person needing to leave their community. By having every need met under one roof, individuals and families are able to start an uninterrupted journey towards transformation until they're equipped to live independently. When an individual is healthy and equipped for long-term independence, they are then able to see and impact their community in meaningful ways. In time, this results in new jobs, safer housing, restored families, and greater opportunities for the community as a whole. We believe that as light and hope continue to grow, entire communities can be transformed. So that's the City of Refuge, Atlanta, big picture. The person who developed that video, the person who built our website is going to be working on some stuff specific to us here in Thomaston. So I'll be meeting with him in the next few weeks and we will be putting together our own website and our own promotional video and descriptions of the programs that we do and to be more specific to us. And you saw there light, hope, and transformation. We have a couple more screens to show you here. I forget which one comes next, but yeah. So the mission, we provide light, hope, and transformation. So we've had a little bit longer of a mission statement here in Thomaston for a couple years since we moved over here to the church. And we're, we're just going to scratch that one, although it's accurate and it's appropriate. We're going to scratch it and we're just going to embrace the City of Refuge mission statement, which is we provide light, hope, and transformation. Everybody can get that. Everybody can understand that. And it doesn't matter what kind of programming you're doing. This applies, right? Light can take place, can be can be established in educational environments and social environments and worship environments. Hope and transformation, those apply no matter what the exact program looks like. Okay, and then finally, do we have one more? The core values, very, very important stuff. So passion, excellence, dignity, integrity, these are the four core values, like the cornerstones for operations. If we're not going to, if we don't feel it, we need to get out of it. If we're, if we're not intense about it, we need to leave it alone and go find something else to do. If we don't understand how important it is and that we really need to be passionate about it, then we're missing something. Excellence. When you see the new kids' room down the hallway here in a few minutes, it's a picture of excellence. It's a picture of how we want everything to be. I've said before that if you visit City of Refuge in Atlanta and you go into the homes where our residents live, 
you'll be stunned because when you say homeless shelter, this is not the picture you get in your mind. These homes are beautiful, clean, bright, well-decorated, and they are family environments for the residents who live there. We want excellence in everything we do. We want the outside property to be excellent. We want the inside facility to be excellent. We want the programming to be excellent and on across the board. Dignity. I expect you to treat me with dignity. And I make a commitment that no matter who you are, young or old, I will do my best to treat you with dignity, to see you as a human being that God loves just as much as he loves me and is interested in just as much as he's interested in me or anybody else that I know. And integrity. We're going to do it right. We're going to manage the resources that God gives us properly. And we're going to be really, really good stewards of what comes our way and implementing that into kingdom work. All right? Is that the end of it, Katie? Okay, good. Thank you. So, all right, to the kids. What has come to us is a very heavy emphasis on kids. To open up the service, I read to you from Psalm 127, and children are a heritage from the Lord. They're a heritage from the Lord. It says that you're blessed if your quiver is full. And so we need to look at the kids we have around us as blessings, not as burdens, not as problems, but as blessings. Can they aggravate us? Yeah. Um, do we get a little bit weary sometimes with the noise and the activity and the, the questions and the, and the fighting and the picking and the whatever? Yeah. They're still a blessing, and they're still there as an opportunity for us to invest in. They're still there for us to train them up in the way they should go. So we view that very seriously. We take it very seriously, and we're willing to work hard and to spend money and to spend a time. Time, talent, and treasure is what it takes to keep this kind of thing going. And, and like I said, they came to us. We didn't really go after them. We started doing uh, community outreach a couple times a year where we'd go out into a neighborhood. We did connect with some families. We'd do a Christmas outreach. We connected with some families. And so we were able to see a few kids come in from that kind of thing. But it wasn't like we were recruiting. We've never gone out and recruited just passed out flyers and said, hey, we got a great thing going on. Y'all come over to where we are. No, it's not about that. It's about just walking in obedience day by day and, and trusting God that he's going to send the people along that he wants you to invest in, that he wants you to work on their behalf. And so we're responding to that. It's not the only thing, but it is a big thing. It is a very, very important thing that we're doing and are going to continue to do around here. So that is the reason why we felt like at this point in time that we should uh, make a better space for kids to gather in, that we should open something up and that we should beautify it and we should give them a fresh brand new start and a brand new spot to really where they can get excited and motivated and where the workers can really have the resources and the space they need to do what they can do with the kids.
So, um, right now, through this past school year, they've been doing after-school programming three days a week, including tutoring and snacks and, and recreational time, social time, hanging out with the kids, mentoring on a certain level. Uh, summer's coming up. We will, again, this summer be doing summer day camp programming, Kendall's scheduling all of that and planning it out. And then we'll have after school. We'll continue next school year. We have the church activities going on, and we have Wednesday nights when kids come and they are able to eat a meal, and then they're able to have class where they learn about God and the Word and His ways. All very powerful, important part of, of what we do. We're also going to be ramping up the uh, off-campus social type activities. Uh, so we were blessed at City of Refuge in Atlanta to, to be connected through an organization that they do all the legwork to get you free stuff. So tickets to the Georgia Aquarium, tickets to the zoo, uh, tickets to plays and activities that go around to, you know, the High Museum and lots of different things in Atlanta that are great for kids. And, of course, as a City of Refuge operation, we get to benefit from that as well. So Kendall and Laurie, who's our uh, Director of Kids Programming at, at City of Refuge in Atlanta, are communicating, and Kendall's going to be organizing off-campus activities and trips as well. So I'm very excited about where we're going. You know, it's not often that we just stop and deal with the nuts and bolts of who we are and what's going on. And, um, but I felt like we're at a point right now where we just need to visit with this for a few minutes, make sure everybody understands what's going on. Um, as far as your level of involvement, you know, that's completely up to you. There'll be times when we're doing labor work stuff where we ask for people to jump in and help out. There's always cleaning and stuff to do. Um, the kids programming, if you're not inclined to that, then please just pray for it and contribute financially. You, you know, when it comes to making financial contributions, you can designate your contributions or you can just give. Because the fact of the matter is we take the money that comes in and we budget it out, we pay our bills, and then we use the rest of it to do whatever ministries we're doing. But if you designate and you say, hey, I want my $100 a month to go straight to kids, then we'll make sure that that, that happens. All right? So anybody have any, it's been more like a business meeting, but does anybody have any questions or comments about what I've shared? And we will probably do a little bit more of an in-depth study on cities of refuge at some point, but I did want you to kind of get a glimpse of what that looks like um, and put things in context. Yes, sir. Up there. All right, so his question was, if you didn't hear, when will we schedule another tour for Atlanta? And um, I... Now that you've brought it up, we'll get that going. So I hadn't really thought about it because now that we have, see, because last time we did, we do it on Sunday morning where we took the whole church up there or we do it when they're, they're having uh, some kind of a night of worship or whatever. So I'll check the calendar to see if something like that's going on with them. Sunday morning's going up now for us, I think, is out because we have too many folks involved and we have folks that may just show up for church and then we've got the doors locked and that's not really good. Yes. 
Absolutely. If you, any of you, if you ever just want to come up and, um, you know, and, and let me walk you around, give you a tour, tell you the stories, I'd love to do that. Yes. Yeah, very. I'm glad you brought that up. It's a very cool story. So um, every two years, uh, women's ministries from the Church of God denomination uh, adopt a project that they're going to raise money for and support. And so at, in August, which is when the Church of God does their General Assembly, the ladies' ministry has decided to adopt City of Refuge and House of Cherith uh, programming as their uh, semi-annual project. And so they're raising money on a, a national level, and then each state is doing their own thing as well. We've had a number of groups come already and do the tour. The um, presiding bishop over the whole denomination, his wife, have been there a few times looking around. And their goal uh, was to raise a half a million dollars to, to purchase and remodel and furnish the new um, home for women and kids out in Douglasville, which we've actually already bought, and um, they set a goal of half a million dollars, and they fully expect that they're going to more than double their efforts by the time they're finished. So, uh, very, very good stuff. And it just, um, you know, the the arrangement here with the church and with City of Refuge is intact. Uh, you know, we didn't come in here trying to run anything off or to destroy anything or beat anything down. Uh, we're here to work in partnership to embrace good stuff that's already going on, good people that were already here, and to um, and to perpetuate at the same time what the vision for doing City of Refuge ministries in this community. So we were very very blessed with that and look forward to where that goes, Gerald. So her question is, do we have our own uh, drug and alcohol rehab program or do we, do we refer people out? And the answer is that we do not own our own um, recovery program. We do refer people out most of the time. However, we stand as a support system with them when we do that so that we, if, if finances are needed, we contribute financially. We provide case management and social services to them. Now, if it's a resident who's in programming, then they will receive um, those kinds of services through their own individual case assessment uh, through their case manager. So we have counselors that come in. We have therapists that come in that would work with them on that. But that's only for people who reside on campus in the programs. Anybody else? Brother Jimmy? Absolutely. Yes, so all, all financial contributions are recorded and are tax deductible. Um, we have some people who still write their checks to the church. We have some people that write their checks to City of Refuge. 
that all goes into the same bank account because what we did was we just added slash doing business as city of refuge to the church business and i didn't just i just didn't see the need for separating that out we're doing one thing here as a as a family and um so yes any kind of financial support that comes in is um tax deductible because city of refuge is a nonprofit, and the church of course is a nonprofit. anything else all right well thank y'all for listening to this